Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Well, good morning to all of you from Rapid City, South Dakota. This is Father Michael Malloy. We're here for with Real Presence Live. I'm sorry to tell you all that Andy, my good friend and sidekick, will not be able to be with us. His duties at the, in the classroom calls him to be over there. And so I'll be uh, with you for the duration of the next couple hours and looking forward to it very much being together. I have, I have Dan with me. He is watching all the technical side of all this stuff, which is always a great blessing and gives me great peace. And uh, so we're ready to go with a wonderful uh, morning and a, a, some great big uh, guests and some interesting topics. We're going to be focusing a lot on Divine Mercy, which is coming up this weekend. And we're looking forward to, to um, the, all the various guests that will be with us, some in studio, some via phone. So it looks like a, a promising morning. And thank you all for being with us. Um, I'm not supposed to forget him. Who's me? Eli? That's me. I said your name. I said your name, Eli. I really did. <laughs> I believe you, Father. I said, yeah. Okay, good. Well, Eli's with us. <laughs> yes. and All right, let's begin, this, let's begin this day with prayer, okay? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious and loving God, we celebrate these days the gift of your resurrection gift of your presence and your life lived with us in your resurrected glory. We thank you for that presence and we invite you to be with us as we know that you desire to be as we visit and exchange ideas and thoughts and come to a deeper appreciation of how you move and act in our life. We thank you for that presence and we ask you to bless our day and bless all those who are listening here on Real Presence Live. Bless the production staff so that together we might bring honor and glory to you in all that we do. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we need to turn back to Eli now and ask him for a preview of what's coming up. All righty. Thank you, Father. I knew you wouldn't forget me. Uh, here's what's coming up on this morning's show. We are called to surrender ourselves to Jesus, who is divine mercy itself. How do we take this leap of faith? Well, authors Roxanne Solonen and Patty Armstrong will share ways we can give ourselves more fully to Christ. And we are not beyond God's love and mercy. He makes his mercy available to us through his death and resurrection. This is part of what we'll unpack with Bishop Robert Gruce of the Diocese of Rapid City. And, no matter what somebody has done, they still deserve the opportunity to hear the Word of God and find the truth of the message of Christ. One person who knows this well is Deacon Stu Longton of the Diocese of Fargo. He'll share his years of experience with jail ministry and what it means to bring Jesus to the broken. That and a whole lot more coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Father? Thank you, Eli. That was a, a beginning of, like I said, a great, a great uh, morning of, of visiting and sharing um, the richness and the depth of our faith, and especially focusing on Divine Mercy this Sunday. So it is a beautiful day here in Rapid City. We've got sunshine, and um, I think the winter was so long and so hard that it's, it's nice to have this, 
this uh, the sunshine with us, even even when we get an occasional rain shower. And of course, rain is always welcome and always needed. And so we're grateful for that too. So we're going to kick off this morning with, um, we have two guests with us, um, Roxanne Salonen and Patty Armstrong. And they're with us um, already on the, on the uh, connected with us. So good morning, Roxanne and Patty. Good morning. Good morning, Father. Well, it's good to have both of you with us this morning on the air. Um, we're talking about um, surrendering ourselves to Jesus, the author of Divine Mercy. And uh, we're going to preview an upcoming event, and that's why both of you are with us. Is that right? There's an event that you uh, have lined up? That's right. right. Yeah. Um, I had done a, this is Roxanne, I had done a, re, a retreat, a mini retreat in the fall at St. John's in Wapiton, and was pleased that they decided to have me back um, from, for Divine Mercy Sunday. But I thought, well, why do they want to just hear from me again, even though, sure, I have more to say and I'm excited to talk about Divine Mercy. But um, I have a, a good friend in Bismarck who is also a, a speaker, uh, uh, an author, and so I asked if she could join us, and, and so that's why Patty's here. And so happy to to have her join us to talk about divine mercy and surrender. Wonderful. So um, you just mentioned the word surrender, and so I'd like to hear have both of you just share a little bit about what that word means to you. Let's start with you, Patty. Uh, as the mother of ten children, <laughs> yeah, every, each day is a surrender. My youngest is a junior in high school now, so uh, I feel semi-retired in some ways. Although the grandchildren are. <laughs> I just said, like, two minutes before you called, I just said goodbye to a grandson and daughter who are headed back to Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. So surrender, and, you know, it's, it's a basis of uh, Roxanne and my friendship. It's such a blessing that we know each other, and she has a mother who lives here in Bismarck, and we see each other often. Um, but we talk often about it's a blessing when Catholic friends can share their lives, and it's always, we always understand. It's about surrender and uh, trusting in God. And, and so that's a lot about what we're going to talk about. And I'll be referencing uh, St. Faustina's diary. And uh, the biggest lesson, I'll just uh, quickly say one of the lessons that I learned, is that um, there was a priest who was doing what Jesus asked, but, it, but, it, but what he was trying to do was failing. And St. Faustina asked Jesus, He's being obedient. He's doing everything you want him to. Why are you letting him fail? And Jesus said, failure in man's eyes is not failure in God's eyes. He was succeeding because he was being obedient. And so I realized that we have to just desire to do God's will, pray a lot and try to align ourselves with that, and that not, not get too caught up in how it turns out, just seek his will. Roxanne, what about you? What does surrender mean to you? Well, I um, will be drawing on a couple different people besides um, mentioning uh, St. Faustina. One of them is an author that I feel like is pretty prophetic for our age, Father Jacques Philippe. He's a a French priest. And um, one of the things he said that I wanted to share with the women that will be gathered on Sunday is is this. I have a quote here um, that kind of says it for me. True freedom is not so much something man wins for himself. It is a free gift from God, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, received in the measure in which we place ourselves in relationship of loving dependence on our Creator and Savior. And that's just such a beautiful sentiment. And I think that word dependence, which 
sends shivers down our spine that we would be dependent on anything. (laughs) But if we are dependent on God, it brings freedom. And that's what he's trying to say there. I think it's a very scary step for us to take. I think as human beings, we want to have control of our own will and our own lives. It's scary to get to that point of surrender. But on the other side of that is freedom. And that's what we want to try to share with the women on Sunday in Wapiton. Wonderful. So, so you you both have talked about surrender or, or dependence. Um, use those two words. So, how do we do this? How do you know? How do we let go of that control? Uh, take that leap of faith. Um, bring ourselves um, to divine mercy. Can Roxanne? Let's have you start with talking and responding to that. Maybe. Sure. It's interesting because I think the topic of surrender is so fitting for Patty and I because. Um, Patty was the one who introduced me to the novena, um, the surrender to the will of God. And um, it was written by Father um, Padre Pio's uh, spiritual director, actually. And it's very powerful. Um, I have some friends that said it's the only novena they will do now. It's just that powerful. And I think that's one of the ways we can um, be helped in our surrender, which can take some time. Being um, prayerful, being, um, you know, surrounded by um, the sacraments and and, uh, availing ourselves to them and doing things like the surrender novena. I'm just going to read day one of this so you can kind of get a sense for how deeply and quickly you can go into surrender by doing this novena. Day one is, why do you confuse yourselves by worrying? Leave the care of your affairs to me and everything will be peaceful. I say to you in truth that every act of true, blind, complete surrender to me produces the effect that you desire and resolves all difficult situations. And then you repeat this 10 times. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And it's become such a beautiful mantra for me personally as I've gone through some difficult things in my life. And just to relent and let God and Jesus take everything and and know that you're you're in capable hands by giving it to God. That's that's beautiful. And the novena you just prayed makes me want (laughs) to... jump up and go find it yeah but i have oh, to finish have the to. program first <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's it's splendid it so, really is mm-hmm. yeah so patty um you know i i i envision myself uh praying that prayer and saying okay i'll do that and then turning around five minutes later and taking that back you know saying you know i'll leave this in god's hands and no, i'm not gonna leave it in god's hands so um what's your understanding of how we actually accomplish that how do we truly let go of things and let god um have the the control of our lives. Uh, one one thing is Father Philippe is such a wonderful retreat master because he talks about prayer and that to have a relationship with God we have to have time in prayer. And so to answer your question, we we do need that time in prayer and that time of reflection because yeah we take we try to keep trying to take control back, don't we? And, and we're going to probably be that way up until the time we die. And so it's, it's just a constant tug of war where we intentionally let go. Okay, let go and let God. And, and that's why I love this novena. I gave, uh, I gave a prayer card to Roxanne at a time when her husband was having heart surgery. And they, it was so meaningful to them. But I've given these prayer cards to so many people, and they all have the same reaction. I love that novena. It's because it's... On one hand, we want control. On the other hand, it takes a lot of pressure off of us when we can say, Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. 
because deep down inside, we all know we can't take care of everything. We, we all know there's things that are beyond us. We can't control all our emotions. We can't control the events of the day. We didn't make ourselves. We can't create opportunities. That God is the one who can take care of everything. And so, in a way, it's a relief and gives us comfort once we let go. And that reminds me of, um, speaking of freedom, which Roxanne mentioned, um, uh, Pope Leo XIII said that true freedom isn't, isn't to do whatever you want, but the ability to do what's right. Otherwise, then that would mean that God and the angels and saints aren't free because they're, they aren't going to sin. The freedom is to do what's right. Mm, that's wonderful. Thank you. You're you're listening to Father Mike Malloy at Real Presence Radio, and I'm talking with Roxanne Solomon and Patty Armstrong, who are preparing for a, a Divine Mercy event in um, t- coming up here in in obviously in a couple of days. So and we're talking about um, surrendering to God's will and and how that can take place in our lives. Um, so, uh, Roxanne, why is surrender important in our faith life? Um, you know, what's what? Why not just kind of do your best to control the world around you? Why why do why do we have to let go and let God? Well, I think Patty summed it up nicely that we are, uh, you know, fallen human creatures and inclined to. I, I mean, she's so right that it's almost a, a minute by minute sort of endeavor, and and it's something that we will fail at over and over again. So we need to keep coming back to this. This idea that God is the only being in the world, in our lives, that will never disappoint us. I had a wise friend tell me that one time, and it kind of shocked me. You know, I thought, oh, well, what about my husband or my mom? Or there's people in my life that are so dependable. But you know what? They're human too. They can't carry it all. They can't give us all that we need. There's only one that can do that. And in this particular novena that we're mentioning, and that is going to be a topic of our of our retreat coming up, it's going to flow throughout the whole day. And the thing about it, it's the words, and it's also coming from Jesus. And that's the way it was received, as Jesus's words to us. So it's not just some rote prayer, just of, of you know, that we say, but it's, it's us feeling the mercy of God and hearing him say, I've got this. You know, it's interesting because I used to do uh, my mantra used to be, Jesus, I trust in you, which it still is. That's a short little, quick little one I can get out that St. Faustina gave to us through Jesus. But there's something different about this one when you say it 10 times, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. There's something about that take care of everything that just calms the nerves and the minds. And we went through one open heart surgery, and that was just right after Patty had given me this card, which has a a heart, you know, the Sacred Heart of Jesus right on the front. And it just, I couldn't believe the timing of it. And it was so instrumental. My husband really took to it too. He'd never actually done a novena. He's a convert and it was a new thing for him. And now we started day one of the next novena because now he's facing another open heart surgery. And so he said the last thing he's going to say is they're, as they're putting him under is that very mantra, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Mm. You know, as you two ladies are talking, I'm thinking, I want to come to this event, but I, I don't think I can, <laughs> and not because I live far away. <laughs> Tell us about what it is that this event that you're going to be uh, putting on. 
Well, it will have some priests there, so um, technically maybe you could, but <laughs> um, because we're going to be doing confession, we're going to be doing adoration, we're going to be doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet, we're going to be having fun just having dessert and coffee and just just being around each other. You know, Divine Mercy is such a, a, a beautiful gift that John Paul II gave us, that, you know, Jesus gave us. That we don't have to, you know, end Easter. You know, of course, we have we have a longer season of Easter, but it's kind of that reminder that hey, there's these beautiful mercies that are coming from Jesus's resurrection, and there's so much hope there. So I think the day is just going to be filled with with so many graces, and um, and I, I heard that at least 50 women are already signed up. So I'm really excited to to be there with Patty, and we each will be given a talk to about how we've had to surrender in our lives. So I think it's going to be powerful. I'm excited. That that Patty okay. will be doing it with me. And so that's kind of the gist. Okay. And this event is Sunday, uh, April 28th from 1 to 4 p.m. at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Wapaton, as I understand it and read here. And if you're interested in coming, you can call the parish office, 701-642-6982. Or you can text to 701-640-3357. And uh, you can also register at the church at St. John's. So, um, Patty and Roxanne, it's wonderful to talk with you. We're looking forward to this event and uh, appreciate you being with us today for this uh, beautiful exp uh, description of divine mercy and surrendering to God. Thanks again. Well, thank you so much for having us. God thank bless you. you. See you all at, you at St. John's when you can come, women. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. That's good. All right. Well, that was a wonderful visit. Um, uh, coming up next uh, in our, on, on this morning program is we're going to um, answer some questions related to faith or things happening in the world around us. Get your questions ready because Straight Talk is coming up, a opportunity for you to call in and to um, visit with me about whatever is of interest to you and whatever questions you might have. After that, we're going to continue our discussion about Divine Mercy, so stay with us real soon. Real Presence Live will be back in just a moment. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rochester Catholic Schools welcomes you to an all-new Hearts of Gold, Friday, April 26, starting at 6.30 p.m. at the brand-new Hilton in downtown Rochester. The event's theme is Cirque in the City, and there will be a cocktail party atmosphere with cuisine available at several unique food stations, plus a VIP hour at 5.30. Individual tickets and host table options are available by visiting RCS mn.org backslash hearts of gold we all appreciate the comforting things in life great food laughter celebrating mass together and friendships here at riverview we have all those things and more hi i'm carrie Dew, executive director with senior independent living apartments and our crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance it is the sense of community here that makes riverview home to all of us Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. 
Do you want your business's message to be heard by a dedicated audience during one of our biggest on-air fundraisers of the year? Tune in to the RPR Network for our Spring Live Drive, which runs Wednesday, May 8th through Friday, May 10th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time. It's a family reunion as we bring you great stories of how the Lord has touched the people you know through Catholic Radio. To become a sponsor of the Spring Live Drive, contact me, Brett Byler, by calling 605-670-8333. Rapid City Catholic Schools welcomes you to the 39th Annual Mayfest Auction and Dinner Saturday, May 4th at the Rushmore Plaza Civic Center's LaCroix Hall starting at 5 p.m. The event's theme is An Evening in Paris, and there will be a live and silent auction with hundreds of great items where all registered bidders will be entered in a drawing for one student to receive one year of free tuition. Event tickets are $65. For more information, contact Liz at 605-348-1477. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now, back to more Real Presence Live. Well, good morning once again from Rapid City, South Dakota. This is Father Mike Malloy. I'm glad to be with you on this beautiful sunny day here in in Rapid City. I hope the weather is wonderful where you are. Um, We're going to continue our discussion today. Um, We're we're spending quite a bit of time talking about Divine Mercy uh, Sunday coming up. And uh, we have a guest with us right now of... uh, uh, Deacon Thane Barnier. Uh, Thane, how are you today? I'm good, Father. How are you doing? Great. And it says here that you're from the Diocese of Sioux Falls, which is uh, my home diocese. And uh, I went to went to school at, and uh, high school in Sioux Falls. So it's good to talk to somebody from the hometown. <laughs> so and I'm can you tell us a little bit about the Rapid City tonight? So we'll see you uh, shortly. Well, good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into our conversation? Sure. Uh, I grew up uh, in Missoula, Montana, up in the mountains. Uh, met my wife, Joanne, who's from Rapid City originally, uh, University of Montana there, and uh, we'll be celebrating 25 years of marriage here coming up in July. Um, I'm a convert to the faith. I grew up Baptist and uh, came into the church at Easter Vigil uh, in 2002, uh, and uh, I'm uh, currently serving as the deacon at uh, St. Therese Parish in Sioux Falls. Um, and uh, I'm one of the baby deacons. I uh, was ordained 11 months ago yesterday. Oh wow! Well, congratulations on that. What a what a wonderful gift and what a journey. For, it'll be interesting to have you on another time to talk about your journey from the Baptist Church to the diaconate. So, but Absolutely. this morning we want to <laughs> this morning we want to talk about Divine Mercy Sunday, which is just around this corner. Um, how do how can you help our, our listeners? How do we prepare our hearts to receive? the mercy of God in, in this uh, beautiful celebration? Well, you know, the most important thing is to, to trust the Lord. Uh, in uh, my homily on Passion Sunday, I, I pointed out that every time we choose sin, uh, you know, we're betraying Jesus, just like Judas. You now, you want to get a congregation's attention, compare him to Judas. Uh, <laughs> but see, you know, Judas's greatest betrayal wasn't that he handed Jesus over. It was that he didn't run to the Lord and, and ask for mercy. And he listened to the voice of the world that told him his sins were far too big to be forgiven. And he never let Jesus put his arms around him and tell him, it's okay, you know, I forgive you. And we can't ever imagine that our sins are bigger than God's love for us. I mean, he died for us, right? So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he knew that we were going to betray him with these sins, but he still made that choice to do it anyway, because he loves us always, no matter what. And all Jesus asked in return for that mercy is that we turn to him and ask for that forgiveness, and then most importantly, be willing to accept 
is mercy. Mm, okay. So how do we, specifically, how do we ask for God's mercy? I mean, give us some ideas, some thoughts about how someone who's listening and going, I don't know how to do that. How do you, how do you ask for God's mercy? Well, it, it, it really, I think it starts with humility. We have to get over ourselves, you know, our pride, our guilt. And most importantly, we have to get past the belief that, that, that we often have that we aren't worthy to receive God's forgiveness. I mean, Jesus left us the sacrament of reconciliation, this beautiful font of his, his divine mercy. And the hardest part, though, is getting past those voices that are always trying to convince us that either we aren't worthy to receive that mercy or that we don't need to receive those graces. Uh, and that's what keeps people away from that sacrament. Mm, that's, a, that's a beautiful um, uh, thought. Uh, we're, we're listening to uh, Deacon Thane Barnier, Barnier excuse me, from uh, Sioux Falls. And uh, um, the voices, I, I, really, I really like that, uh, Deacon, the, the voices that, that say to us, um, you're not good enough or you don't need it. Um, because there's no, there's. It's very true that the evil one, when we move toward God, he wants us to move away from God, and that's one of the compelling ways um, that that he can convince us that um, we don't really need to move toward God by saying you either you don't deserve it or you don't need it. So, um, mm-hmm. beautiful thought. How do we extend God's mercy to others, um, having received that ourselves? How do we extend that to others? Well, I think, again, it's like a, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I think it starts with humility. You know, we often think that, well, that person isn't worthy of, re- you know, that, that person isn't worthy of receiving mercy because we, we've judged them by their crimes. And, you know, I see this a lot uh, in prison ministry, um, and not just with the people on the outside judging the inmates, but the inmates judging each other and themselves. Um, you know, they, they often think, well, you know, I, I know what I've done. I'm not worthy of forgiveness. And, you know, maybe uh, these people have been, they've hurt us personally, and that the pain of those wounds is very fresh in our minds, but this is where we have to see Jesus in others. And rather than dwelling on how that person's actions affect us directly, we have to be humble enough to see how God's divine mercy might affect them in their lives. How might receiving that love and forgiveness change them? And when when we see that it, it, it's not us that is extending that mercy, rather it really it's the Holy Spirit working through us to extend that mercy, then we can, we can get out of our own way and we can you know, allow God to work through us to change the lives of others. And it's through that act of surrendering our own will that, uh, that God can change the lives of people all around us. <clears throat> That's very true. You know, the, the last guest we had talked to us about surrender. They talked about the importance of surrendering everything to God. Um, Deacon, in your life, uh, how would you? Um, how does, what does that mean to you to say I'm going to surrender everything to God? And how do you go about doing that in your own life? Uh, I, I'm still trying to figure that out. To be totally <laughs> honest, you know. Um, and no, seriously, it's, it's it's there is no just one one formula. You know, it's it's an everyday thing and. And I often look to, you know, to St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta as a perfect example. You know, her entire life she devoted to offering God's mercy to others, but it wasn't easy for her. I mean, she struggled in, in darkness for nearly 50 years, but despite the fact that she wasn't receiving that personal consolation, she made that choice every day to continue to be an instrument of God's love for those who are most in need. And it starts with understanding that God has a will in our in our life and and that true happiness really only comes when we're perfectly aligned with that so to me the surrender starts with the little things in my life you know those moments when we 
deny the little fleeting pleasures that we know aren't going to really do anything for us long-term, and instead embrace the struggle because we know that's God's will. I mean, it might feel good to, to give the driver who just cut me off in traffic a piece of my mind, but Jesus did say, pray for those who persecute you. So uh, you know, in that moment of surrender, that fleeting pleasure of yelling at, the, at a bad driver, um, we draw ourselves closer to the Lord because no matter how small it may seem, just by embracing that, that uh, act of offering a slight mercy to another, it changes us, and it brings mm-hmm. us closer to God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think what you're talking about, at least as I'm listening, I'm thinking the import, the importance of our of our faith. You know, believing, believing, and trusting that God is there, and God really does want what's best for us, and really does care about, and is intimately involved in our lives. I think just those a sense of faith where you say, I, I believe, Jesus, that you're with me. I believe that you want what's best for me. Um, I surrender myself to you. You know, I think those are, are, as you said, simple kind of ways that we can do that on a very regular basis in our life. Um, so um, it, it is, it's a constant journey. And I think we often try to shoot for the big things and, and, and look for these big ways to change the world and we forget that, it, it, you know, uh, Mother Teresa again said, do, do small things with great love. And that's yes. really where it is, in those little things in our lives, that the little blocks that begin to build uh, that beautiful temple. Yes, little things make a huge difference. So, um, uh, Deacon, it's been wonderful visiting with you. We have, unfortunately, we don't have much more time, but it, um, your your insights and your understanding and your call for humility are um, really worthwhile uh, for all of us to hear. So I appreciate you spending time with us today, and may you have a wonderful and blessed uh, um, Divine Mercy Sunday. So you too, Father. God bless. Thank you. Um, it was a it was a great conversation with. Uh, with a young deacon, as he calls himself, only only eleven months or eleven months ordained. So I'm sure there's a lot more that God will do for him as we move forward um, into um, uh, his life and his ministry in the diocese of Sioux Falls. So we're uh, very close to what we call straight talk. It's coming up in just a moment. Um, and uh, remember that you can call in during Straight Talk if you have a question or a concern, a thought, or something to share. Um, we're talking about Divine Mercy. It might be something else, so give us a call. There you go. That's the uh, uh, signal that we're ready to go into Straight Talk. The number to call is 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. And uh, you know, if you have an interesting question, a thought, a comment, whatever it might be, we've been talking about Divine Mercy, but there may be something else that's of interest to you. Um, and we can begin this uh, right off the bat here. We have a, a, a question on, on Facebook from Karen. Um, Karen, it's great to um, have you uh, send in this question for us. I'm assuming you're listening to us as we're speaking. So the question is, could you give an example of the liturgical colors? Or excuse me, an explanation of the liturgical colors. Um, that's that's a, a good question, an easy question. You know, it's one of those things where we go to Mass all the time and, you know, we notice that today it's purple and tomorrow it's white and, and maybe 
realize that there's some importance to that, but not really understanding exactly what that is or when it all happens. There are basically four liturgical colors in, in the uh, uh, Roman ritual. Uh, those colors are white, purple, red, and green. And um, we use green most often. Green is the color of, of ordinary time. It's, it's the, the color that graces the, best, the, the, the biggest part of our world if you live out in the, in the nature, in terms of grass and trees and flowers and plants. So it's the color that the church gives us as, that we, we use when we're, when we're celebrating the ordinary events or circumstances of our life or reflecting on the ordinary, um, if you will, events or circumstances of Jesus' life. Ordinary time, uh, there's a little bit of ordinary time in the late winter and then the bulk of the ordinary time comes after the Easter season until until the uh, uh, the uh, the winter. The next color is white. White is the color we use to celebrate feasts, um, to celebrate solemnities, uh, solemnities of the Lord, solemnities of Jesus, um, or feast days of the great saints, um, except for those who are martyrs. And, um, of course, white is the color that is traditionally associated with Jesus in his resurrected glory. So anytime there's a feast day that deals specifically or directly with an event in Jesus' life or um, the great seasons of Christmas and Easter are, are the seasons in which we use the color of white. Uh, red is used um, for two purposes, to signal the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we use it at Pentecost. Um, it's also used uh, to signal the, the life of the martyrs, the, those who gave their lives in defense of the faith. So it's, it's symbolic of the red color of, of blood being poured out on, uh, for, the, for the martyrs. We also use red on um, Good Friday. Although there's not a lot of decoration on Good Friday, we do um, use that color in terms of the vestments that the priests wear. Um, so, color, so red is the color of, of the Holy Spirit and the color of the um, blood of the martyrs. And then the last color is purple. A uh, penitential color, a color that is used for Advent and Lent, those two seasons of, of the church year in which there is, um, um, where, we, where we kind of take some time to reflect on our need for the mercy and love of God. And, and, and I believe historically the reason purple was used is because of Jesus being clothed in his passion in a purple cloak, a cloak, excuse me, a purple cloak as um the uh, soldiers and, and Pilate's um, army uh, 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 scourged him and mocked him and belittled him. So it's a reminder to us of the fact that Jesus died to free us from our sins. And so we use that color in, in Advent and Lent, which are two of the penitential times of the church's year. So those are the four colors that are used. Um, you can use gold if you want um, in place of white. Um, occasionally you'll see that and then there at two different times during one one Sunday of Advent one Sunday during um, Lent we use a rose color which is kind of a, in the midst of the penitential uh, season we recognize that um, that Jesus that that the the hope or the promise of Christmas or the hope of the resurrection is upon us and so we change that color from purple to um, rose um, that is not required but it's used in a lot of parishes so that's a good explanation, I think, of all the various colors that we use in the celebrations of the liturgy. So um, appreciate that. Uh, the number to call is 877-795-0122 if you have a question or a comment uh, to share with us on um, uh, Straight Talk here on Real Presence Live. This is Father Mike Malloy. We have another question that came in, it's, and it's on the someone's on, um, someone who's listening. Um, the question is from Jean. Um, what tips would you give new Catholics who just came into the church to stay involved? 
that's a, a boy gene thanks for that question that's a beautiful question of you know because it's we can we can get people to uh, decide, you know, join the church and be very enthusiastic and very exciting. The CIA process is very involved, and there's a lot of commitment to it. And you form community, and then you get, you know, we we go through the Easter celebrations where people are baptized, and then it's sort of the danger is it kind of drops off. So, how do new Catholics stay involved? I think the important thing, obviously, you know, the, the importance of going to mass. And continuing to, manif- to to keep alive our prayer life, developing some kind of daily prayer routine, perhaps a visit to the church um, if you have a parish that has Eucharistic adoration to spend some time there. So those are the ordinary sustaining parts of what you know of of living out our Catholic faith. But the other thing I think is so important for new Catholics is to become involved in something in the church, and by that I mean be in, get involved in something that will connect you to other members of the church in a more immediate way. Um, commit yourself to saying, I'm going to be um, a lector, community minister, do something in terms of the liturgy. And you know, the reason, part of the reason for that is by doing that, I start to connect with other people who share that ministry. And I, I have the opportunities to, to deepen and share my faith with other people um, in, in a different context than simply praying with them uh, or simply praying or, sim- or going to Mass with them. It's an opportunity for me to get to know other people. So I think that's important. I think the other thing is, as a new Catholic, is to pay attention to what's going on in the parish community and make a choice to step out and say, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to go to the um, conference. We had a, we just talked um, last in our, one of our last segments about a conference going on. As a, as a new Catholic, if you were a lady living up in the Wapiton area, say, I'm going to go to that. Um, I would suggest if there is a pancake or coffee and rolls kind of activity in your parish to take the opportunity to go to that and sort of step out and and um, and uh, introduce yourself to people. And that can be kind of scary. If you are um, the friend of someone who is a new Catholic, um, if somebody in your family has recently joined the church, take the initiative to invite them, to go with them, to remind them, to encourage them to be involved in various activities and, and things of the church, I think I think that's real important to do. I think we we have to we have to continue to engage um, ourselves if we're new Catholics in the community, and we have to continue if we are friends or supporters, maybe sponsors of those who have joined the church, to continue to invite them into a deeper um, involvement in, in in with the church. And so I, I think I think those are at least some initial ways to do that. Gene, I thank you very much for that question, and I hope it helps those of you who are new and who are um, who have joined the church at this at this Easter time. Um, the number to call is eight seven 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 nine five one zero two two. If you are interested in um, asking a question or sharing a comment um, on Real Presence Live, oh, I did the number wrong. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Sorry about that. So I hope I didn't goof anybody up with that, with that uh, um, uh, transposing of numbers. I think it's got something to do with dyslexia or something like that. So anyway, please call in if you have a question or you're curious about something. We'd love to uh, have the opportunity to visit with you and on here on, on Real Presence Live. We've been talking about uh, Divine Mercy Sunday, and uh, this is a. Um, a, a de- devotion that's grown in our church of late, and uh, um, it, it. When I think about Divine Mercy Sunday, I hearken back to the uh, the year of mercy that we, Pope Francis called us to, and we were all able to um, join in. And, and the, the beauty of that year and how it 
brought the awareness of the mercy of God into our lives in a, in a, in a pretty uh, significant and profound way. Um, and so it's always a beautiful celebration wherever it happens throughout uh, the Catholic world and a deep reminder to us of the call that we have today to um, enter more deeply into that um, mercy of God, to allow the Lord to touch our lives. Um, um, one of the one of the talk callers earlier today that I was visiting with, uh, Deacon, Gray, Deacon Thane, talked about the importance of us um, being humble and um, opening ourselves up, trusting in that mercy and love of God. So if you have a question or comment about that or anything else, you can call 877-795-0122. We have another question that came in. It says, in today's gospel, why does Jesus ask the disciples if they have anything to eat? Um, That's an interesting, one of the the interesting um, gospel stories. There's there's a lot of different uh, accounts of the resurrection of Jesus in the various gospels. And they all focus on maybe different aspects or different dimensions. Um, in this gospel today, Jesus um, becomes present. His disciples, uh, he's, it says he, he is in their midst and he doesn't walk through the door. He doesn't knock on the door. And so it's frightening and startling to them. And there is a, there is a sense of disbelief. You know, I, I, I think we have a tendency to take, sort of take the resurve- resurrection for granted in the sense we say, well, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, I, I, I know that. I've heard about that. I've read that. But realize, put yourself in the situation of these people, these early Christians who had witnessed this horrific crucifixion. And even though the idea of people rising from the dead was something that had been talked about in Jesus' time, it was, it was a, a debate between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. No one expected Jesus to rise from the dead. He was he was condemned and killed as a common criminal. He was thought to be uh, seditious in terms of his and and so no one expected him to rise. And so the the early disciples were were frightened. They were, um, you know, it's like they thought they were seeing a ghost. It says in some of the accounts of the scriptures. And so Jesus does things that allows them to realize that he really has risen, that the same Jesus that they saw crucified is the same Jesus who rose. And in this gospel today, he invites them to examine the wounds in his hands and feet so they can identify the body that hung on the cross with the, with the resurrected body that's there. And then he, he invites them to, you know, he says, give me something to eat so they can, they can identify the reality of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Um, and and uh, one of the more important things about our faith that I think sometimes gets sort of passed over when we pray the creed is we believe in the resurrection of the body. We believe that in the end time we will be in heaven as Jesus is in heaven, body and soul. And, and so there will be, um, there will be a, a physicality, if you will, to our, to our, our being in heaven. And this um, passage is an invitation for the disciples to recognize Jesus and to, and to truly believe that he has risen. Um, it's something that we have to come back and visit over and over and over again in our lives. That might have spurred you to think of a question or a comment. If it did, as you're listening to us on, on Real Presence Live and Straight Talk, you can call 877-795-0122. Um, if you have a question or a comment, looking forward to talking to you about whatever is on your mind and in your heart on this beautiful morning here in Rapid City or wherever you are listening on Real Presence Radio throughout um, our listening area. 
um, one of the things that I've been talking about as I um, do the homilies, I, I celebrate Mass for the Sisters of St. Martin here in Rapid City, and I've been talking about the importance of the fact that Jesus is truly risen, um, that is at the heart of of our um, faith. Um, St. Paul you know, said in one of his letters, if, if, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then we're a bunch of fools. And so it's an, a central uh, event in our lives. And um, the question that I, I've been challenging the sisters with, and, and quite honestly challenging myself, is to say, do I live my life in a way that reflects the fact that I believe that Jesus has truly risen from the dead. And and what does that look like? What you know, what does it look like um for me to say I am a believer in the resurrection? How do I manifest that in my in my everyday living? Um there's been a couple of things I've I've said uh, to the sisters and uh and some of the things that we've been talking about here today in terms of divine mercy is it's very interesting that very quickly after the resurrection we hear we hear Peter saying to us in the Acts of the Apostles, You must repent. And and so one of the one of the ways that we manifest that I really believe that Jesus is risen from the dead is in my willingness to this ongoing and continual conversion, and that ties us up to Divine Mercy Sunday, where we're we're invited, as uh, as Pope Francis has so often said to us, to reach out um, to the mercy and love of God, which is given to us um, through Jesus' death and through His resurrection. And so it's like for someone who says I really believe in Jesus. Um, they can't live with the notion that I've arrived or um, I'm, I'm perfect, that I'm, there's a constant need for conversion in our lives. And, and so it's important for us to be conscious of that, even though we talk a lot about conversion and turning away from sin as part of the Lenten journey, it really becomes very much a part of our everyday life as we enter more deeply um, into the mystery of Jesus' resurrection. If you have a question or a concern, we're, at, uh, we're doing straight talk here with uh, me, Father Mike Malloy, at um, 877-795-0122. You're invited to call in if you have a question or a concern um, or um, a thought that you would like to share. Another thing that I, um, I suggest to talk to the sisters about is the importance of joy. And, and I think we sense that joy, and we've already sensed that in, in some of the people that have... Um, um, uh, called in this morning, or excuse me, that we've interviewed this morning uh, on our radio sh- station. There's a a sense of joy, a, a sense of peace um, in our hearts that you know doesn't say that life is perfect and everything is all right, but it, there's a sense, a deep sense of joy that knowing that the Lord has things in hand, that He truly is risen, and that He's there to take care of us. And so um, that's another mark of someone who is truly living the resurrection. They have this deep and abiding sense of joy in their life. Um, and so, again, you, we can ask ourselves, is that is that a part of who I am? Is that a way that I manifest my belief in the resurrection? Uh, Karen from Sturgis has a question. She uh, She's on the phone with us today. So, Karen, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Well, hi. How are you today? I am well. Well, good. It's good to have you on. Um, Karen, tell us what your question is. Okay, well, I am the mother of eight children, and okay. when I the last couple of years when I go through Holy Week, I tend to walk through Holy Week with the Blessed Mother. All right. Going through um, the things, you know, thinking and meditating on the things she must have experienced and, and the feelings she must have felt. And then I get to Easter Sunday, and I'm thinking this year, wait, where does Mary fit into the narrative? When did Jesus appear to Mary? 
and I know it's not in Scripture, per se, to, to give us a definitive answer, but is there an oral tradition that says when Jesus appeared to his mother after the resurrection? Um, that's a good question. It's a good stumping question, because like you said, there's nothing, nothing in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> and so my, my answer would be, no, not, to my knowledge, there, is, there isn't any awareness of an oral tradition um, that says that Jesus appeared to his own mother. Um, but as you were talking, and I was thinking about Mary, one of the thoughts that comes to me is any time that we experience um, Mary in the scriptures or any time that we, we um, are aware of times in which she has um, uh, appeared uh, to other people, um, her her entire focus is pay attention to my son, listen to my son, believe in my son, love my son. Um, and so as you were talking, Karen, I thought to myself, um, it makes perfect sense that when Jesus rose and that word or, or, or he actually appeared to her, or however she became aware of that, she would have immediately faded to the background and said, you know, let my son be the one that you follow. And so maybe that's part of the tradition of why why there's no reference specifically to Mary appearing to Jesus is because she she wanted all the attention to be focused on him and on and, and his resurrected glory. And and the other thought that occurs to me is <clears throat> she believed that he had risen from the dead. I mean, she was the one that that was she consistently believed in her son, even when the disciples turned and ran and in fear, and 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 she was she was constantly present, and so it wasn't hard for her to believe that he had risen. It wasn't hard for him to, for her to believe that he was present again. I wonder in her motherly heart if she didn't know her son had risen because of the intimate bond that existed between them. And so maybe for the early Christian church, it wasn't necessary for them to talk about Mary um, um, make, being made present to Jesus because um, she wanted him to have the, the focus and the center of attention, if you will, and because um, there was no need to convince her that he had risen from the dead, like, it, as we said earlier, it was with the with the, uh, um, with the, uh, uh, the apostles. apostles. Yeah, so that's a, that's a couple thoughts for you to reflect on. So Great, thank you, Father. Yeah. And then you I bet. have one more question. One more question from my son. My son would like to know, um, what is your favorite part about being a priest? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, My favorite part about being a priest is... um well, boy, there's, it's it's hard because there's there's so many things that I love about being a priest. But um, I think that probably the m- most significant thing is is to sit with people and visit with people, whether that's in confession or or in situations even like this at Real Presence Radio, where where you you know and you can hear how God is moving and touching people's lives, and and to know that that's real and to and to um, to have the privilege, if you will, of, of, of listening to those stories is, is a, a great gift, something that, that I truly treasure. Um, I, I was thinking about having a conversation yesterday with a, another friend of mine, and you just, just to, to sit and know the, the reality of God's love for us and how it's manifested in people's lives. So um, I think that's a, a great part of being a priest, something that I love very much. So um, and Karen, maybe your son will be interested and in, in think about being a priest himself. So thanks very much for those for those questions. So, um, all right, thank you for everything you do, Father. You bet. Appreciate that. So, uh, Pam from Scranton, North Dakota, 
What are the promises associated with praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and how often should one pray the chaplet? Oh, Pam, you're on the line. Yes, I am. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was reading your question. I didn't realize you were there. So tell you can answer. You can oh. read your question for us. Well, I just um, have recently become interested in the Divine Mercy Novena and Chaplet, and I guess I would just like to know more about it. Um, the promises of it, and uh, how often you should say the chaplet. Um, well, Pam, I'm going to plead ignorance here on this one um, because I don't. I guess I don't know the promises associated with the, the praying the Divine Mercy chaplet. Um, you know, I know praying the chaplet. You know, how often should you pray it? I think um, if if it's a, a meaningful and beautiful prayer to you, then I would encourage you to pray it, you know, as often as you can, maybe once a day. I know it's often prayed in the, um, third hour of the day. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, th I think the, I don't think we can ever pray something like this too much. And so I would encourage you to, um, to, uh, uh, develop for yourself uh, uh, this practice to pray the chaplet and um, and to uh, do it in a way that maybe start out saying I'll do it once a day and see how that goes maybe I'll do it less maybe I'll do it um, more frequently depending on um, the other thing I would encourage you to do Pam is to uh, um, oh, the, is to go online if you can, and to uh, look up the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. I know there's lots of good resources for that, um, resources that you could um, find answers to those questions. So um, does that help a little sure. bit? I'm sorry I can't give you more. Sure. Sure. That's fine. Thank you, Father. All right, Pam. Thanks for calling. You, had bet. A little trouble, uh, you bet. Had a little trouble hearing her there. So um, Mary um, is has a question for us. A relative keeps putting me down. I pray and I pray for them. How can I deal with the stress? I want a relationship with them. What should I do? Um, you know, um, thank you, Mary, for that question. Thank you for the for the uh, tr trusting enough to to, uh, to raise that question. Um, um, it's very hard. Uh, I guess I'll start that way because I've experienced this in my own life. It's very hard to be um, to desire to be in a relationship with someone and in this case a relative is someone that you probably see in various situations and um and at the same token to experience this sort of sense of, re of rejection from them of, of being put down a um, couple of thoughts one of them is i i think it is important to pray for them and pray um, for yourself to respond to this and i think specifically to really ask the lord to give you the grace to um endure um, this this um, suffering because that's what it is, um, you know. And and to uh, you know, Jesus often said to um, on the cross, he said, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." And you might think about your relative and say, maybe this person isn't aware of what it is that they're doing and and how hurtful it is. And so to ask the Lord to give you the grace to embrace that suffering um, that you know in, in your own life. Um, the other thing I think, though, is important is um, I often say to people, when you're dealing with some sort of difficult situation, you ask the Lord for the grace to know when, where, and how. And by that I mean it to know when I should talk to my relative, how I should say what I need to say, where should we be, and ask the Lord, Lord, if I'm supposed to address my relative, if I'm supposed to talk to this person, 
um, give me the grace to know when, where, and how, and give me the words to say. And I find in my life when I do that, invariably the Lord just presents that opportunity. We, we end up being alone, um, something comes up, and I have the right words, and, and it would be very important not to be um, to approach that with a, a critical attitude, but rather to, to report to, to, the, to your relative how you feel and say, when you say those things, it makes me sad, it, it, it hurts my feelings, I feel left out, I feel ignored, whatever it is that is going on. Now, there's a risk in doing that. The risk you have is that that would not be well received. The risk is that that person would um, you know, kind of further uh, be unkind to you. But I think it's a risk worth taking because you never know how God is using the suffering you're going through and and he's inviting you into that moment and you never know how God might use or uh, bring about a transformation in that person's life um, um, through your willingness to, to um, uh, 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 and share with them what it is that's going on in your life. So that's a couple of thoughts, Mary. I know that's painful and we'll, we'll certainly pray for you as well in terms of, of your own uh, um, journey in life um, for the, for the grace to... Uh, bear that suffering and for the grace to know when, where, and how uh, God would call you to um, to uh, uh, to uh, confront your, your uh, relative with this situation. So thanks for that question. Appreciate it. Um, if you have, we have a few minutes left. If you want to call 877-795-0122 for a uh, question or a comment, would be appreciate hearing that. Uh, one of the questions that came earlier is what are some of the promises of the, of the divine mercy? Um, uh, uh, praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Maybe somebody has some of those insights that I didn't have and they could share those. It would be uh, great to hear from you in the few last few minutes we have left um, and in straight talk. So uh, here's a question from Dan. He said, how can we model the mercy of Jesus toward others in our daily lives and, act and activities? Um, uh, you know, I, I think we've talked about that some today already um, in terms of how do you do that. I think a lot of it is recognizing how much God has loved us and recognizing the mercy that God has for us. And then in the context of our daily life and daily activity, um, sharing that that mercy with God um, in just in the sense of how we uh, interact with people, talk with people, share our lives with people. Um, you know, and some, and like one of the comments made uh, earlier by one of our, one of our uh, visitors to the show was, uh, you know, the importance of sometimes trying to place ourselves in the pre in, in another person's life, recognizing that they're having struggles or difficulties too, and um, being able to afford them the mercy that God affords to all of us um, in terms of um, accepting um, whatever difficulty or struggle might be theirs and how that might be visited upon us. Um, and the other thing I think someone else mentioned too, and it's worth repeating, that I think the importance of prayer, that when, um, how can we model the mercy of Jesus in our own life is when we go to the Lord and say, Lord, give me the grace to be merciful as you are merciful with me. <clears throat> um, give me the grace to um, to reach out to, to other people in my life. And uh, I think that can be a, a, a blessing and a benefit as well for us. So we thank everybody who called in um, for a straight talk today. We had a pretty lively conversation, or at least a monologue from my vantage point, but great conversations um, either through call or through Facebook. So we appreciate that. And uh, know that we do straight talk every um, every time Real Presence Radio is on. There is a segment of straight talk. So if you have questions or concerns, ones that you didn't get, weren't able to um, have answered uh, here, know that you can call in um, in the other days when uh, straight talk or when uh, Real Presence Radio is on, and you can be able to. Uh, 
participate in that. Um, coming up next, um, uh, a reminder, um, uh, excuse me, uh, Bishop Robert Groose from the Diocese of Rapid City, who happens to be my boss, <laughs> will be uh, here to, again to help us further unpack the meaning of God's mercy, how we make it available to us through his death and resurrection. Um, and later on the show, we're going to have uh, Deacon Stu Longton, um, who share with us his experience of bringing God's mercy and love to those in jail, something that's very, very important. So there's a lot more coming up on Real Presence Live, and we invite you to stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. 